This is Music Ed Amplified. Hello, 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 music teachers of the world. How is it going? Welcome to the Music Ed Amplified podcast, a place where we amplify our profession in all its guts and glory. We talk about what is fun about being a music teacher, what isn't as fun, and why we stick with it. And we also talk about Jedi issues, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in education. Why? Because white and white-presenting people should have been talking about this a long time ago, and I'm trying to make up for lost time. And with that in mind, I wanted to read something that I posted on the Music Ed with Missy page on Facebook a week or two ago, after seeing some things on various social media platforms that were starting to make me concerned. Here's what I said. White and white presenting teachers, like me, trying to do the work of confronting and dismantling systemic racism, white supremacy, inequity, and injustice, have a propensity to desire a pat on the back or public acknowledgement, or the worst, to be seen as a savior of others. It's a normal thing to desire praise, but not here, not in this work. Why do I say this? Because we are so late in doing it, and for most of us, what we do even now is the bare minimum, and we make lots of mistakes. Our BIPOC colleagues, friends, and family have been shouldering this burden forever, and it's time to come alongside them and join the fray. No accolades needed. We just need to listen and learn. We must shed the desire for praise, and we need to work on it every day. Conversely, when we make a mistake or a misstep, which we most certainly will do, we have to get over it quickly and without public coddling. I don't believe we have the right to demand sympathy. Do it in private with trusted family and friends who will help you move forward and not get stuck in your feelings. And I speak to myself before anyone else. If you think, I'm not like that, or why is she saying this? I encourage you to sit and think hard because you could be wrong. And if you're not, if you do the work without looking for praise, that is as it should be and you're an example for others. Does this mean we never recognize or encourage something great that a white educator did or an idea or resource that a fellow white colleague has created or shared or that we should never empathize with someone who has made a huge mistake and help them move forward? No way. I believe there are times when it is fitting to acknowledge when someone has done something important in the work or to encourage or support someone who has made a mistake. But let's not spend too much time doing it because that changes the focal point. This isn't a problem here on this Facebook page yet, but I want to address it now before it can happen. And so we're ready for it when it does. Let's always be conscious that we fight the fight together for students, their families and the broader community. There's too much work to do, and it is not about us. Let's strike the balance so that we don't lose focus. We're not here to be coddled or showered with accolades or to make sure we don't get our feelings hurt. We're here to make real change in our own hearts and minds and in our profession. Today's guest, David Rankin, has been teaching music for more than 20 years. A recipient of several scholarships from the Royal Canadian College of Organists, David has both piano and organ certifications from the Royal Conservatory of Music and is also a church organist and music director. He is dual certified with the FAME organization in First Steps in Music and Conversational Soulfish. 
In addition to his classroom work, he has received numerous grants and donations under the umbrella of Building Community Through Music. The proceeds from these have enabled more than almost 1,000 young students to take part in and host folk festivals, May Day festivals, and family folk dances. And as I am always happy to say, David is my friend, and I loved chatting with him, and I want to share that with you. So let's go. Hello, David Rankin, my fame colleague, my Canadian friend, my regular friend. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. This is your first time with me on a podcast. I'm really, really happy to have you here. Thank you so much, Missy. I've been looking forward to this for the past several weeks, and I've really enjoyed listening to your other podcasts going back several years now. And you're always a treat to listen to. You're very witty and funny. Oh, um, well, why don't I have you on questions. here more then? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I, I really like how you, you ask lots of different questions, but you ask tough questions. You ask questions that help all of us think outside the box, have a, a growth mindset on how we can better improve our, our teaching, our learning, so hopefully we can pass it on to our students and hopefully a society in general. And, and especially wow. once we're done wearing masks, who knows? Where once this we're is. done wearing masks. What is that crazy talk? I don't know. I have a lot of wood here. I can knock on I all know. of it. <laughs> um, wait, how's your voice doing? Is your voice tired? My voice actually has never been better. Oh my because goodness. Because I'm singing with my lips closed. Ah. Um, as most people say you're humming. Well, no, I'm singing with my lips closed, <laughs> but it's, it's so much, there's less strain on my voice. Interesting. And, and since I created the Mr. Rankin's music cabin, I, I always draw in a piece or two of that. And my voice has never been, never been better. It's been fantastic. And in fact, some of the recordings I did, um, when I did some sea shanties and I, I maybe went for high school or university level or adults, and I had to sing a really low part. So I got up very early in the morning. <laughs> I could still sing down there. And that's because I, I haven't been doing as much uh, upper singing. register singing. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I. this is a special day for me. This is a day one year ago. I had the world's most ineffectual voice surgery. Um, and seven years ago, I had the world's second most ineffectual voice surgery, February 24th, the day we're recording this, is a special day for me and my voice. But I was thinking that I have never used my voice so little <laughs> in the past year. The people are like, how's your voice? I'm like, you know, it, it's not half bad <laughs> because I'm not allowed to sing. So it's really working out well. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I didn't think about for male teachers, um, you know, just kind of the break this must have been. Well, speaking of the break and why we're less vocally strained, tell us a little, first of all, I'd like to hear a little bit about where you live and teach and your district and your position and what uh, the setup is for teaching in your school this year and how is it different than normal I'm, I'm sure we all know how that goes, but has it changed a lot uh, since September? Well, um, I live just north of Kingston, Ontario, which is pretty much smack dab in the middle of Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. And I live, uh, I live in a forest where I started filming all of these episodes. 
And our district has just over 30 schools and there's about a hundred and about 150 kilometer radius. Um, ah, so kilometers. Just shy of, sorry, just shy <laughs> of a hundred miles. Um, it depends on which route or which route you take. And yeah. Um, so since September, well, since COVID hit, we had all, all had unprecedented changes. And that's the only time I'm going to say that word because it's overused, unprecedented. Yes. Um, and pivot. We, we yes. say that one a lot here. There's a lot of but pivoting. I, ironically, uh, this past September, when we started back in person, and we've been in person almost ever since, but we had a three-week... Uh, sep- you mean since September? Since last September, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, we had a short shutdown in January, but almost all of it has been in person. Uh, I was the least stressed I'd ever been in my <laughs> 15 years with the school board because you never knew what right. was going to happen. I mean, it's so radically different. You can't get stressed about it because you just don't know. <laughs> right. And so our board took all of the schools were broken into cohorts, individual groups that wouldn't mix with each other. Um, and so there were specific doors you would use and all the yard for outdoor time, which was pretty much cut in half because only half the school was permitted out at one time or is divided into zones. Right. Um, and in classrooms, there was no, you know, flexible seating or uh, grouping in different areas. It was all back yeah. to the fifties right. row face the front. Uh, <laughs> the only difference is the chalkboards cost about $6,000 versus <laughs> right. the late ones. Right. And uh, the music room, which uh, used to be, I had around 32 to 34 classes would come to the music room, which was pretty much just a big open space, yeah. all for doing good music. old days. And in, in the great old days, which yeah. wasn't too long ago, <laughs> uh, of course, my grandparents used to say that, and they were way, way older anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, so I got uh, switched to a cart and I went uh, class to class. Everybody's wearing masks and we're not permitted to sing, uh, but we can uh hum or i call it your i used to call it your covid voice but i thought (laughs) that probably has a negative thing (laughs) and so we would still do as much singing as we could uh limited obviously bare mask and our we can't articulate words so we'd have to think them or audiate them or i would project them um and so since september that carried on all the way through and then back in january we were on another provincial-wide lockdown and so I reverted back to something I discovered during the first shutdown, and that was um, how to do online teaching in a way that replicated what we used to do during COVID and also pre-COVID. And I just jumped right back onto the bandwagon, and that lasted three weeks. Um, my wife is very happy now that the recording studio and the basement, the bedroom, the side room, and the upstairs <laughs> where we used to eat dinner, right, all back to normal. Back to no- for now, anyway. For now, yes. <laughs> so, are you guys still then? So you had the shutdown. Now you're back. You're now you're back to how yeah. you've been doing it since September. Now we're back. Yes. So I'm I'm visiting each class on a cart once per week for anywhere from 25 to 40 minutes. We have our masks on and we have wonderful times doing music as much as we can, Mm -hmm. always trying to find the positive. And 
I can't believe the decrease in the number of distractions because of the layout of the class, as well as children's versatility and, and willing to take risks. I mean, you're wearing a mask. What, right. what <laughs> how much harder can it get? Right, right, and, right. And I've, I've heard so many more tuneful voices, especially from the upper grades, you know, the grade four or five right. and six that usually just sing with their shoulders. You know, they just right. shrug the shoulders. That's my singing <laughs> voice or roll my eyes and shrug, shrug my shoulders. But I don't know. I, I, part of me wonders if having that mask on is just a little bit of protection or it kind of hides Interesting. And, and but they're they're willing to take risks and they do it. And and even today I was in a class and uh, one of my grade five students, Omar, I just I couldn't stop praising him. I said, "You're just so tuneful. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's infectious." And oh, that awesome. didn't happen before COVID. So right. another that's great so interesting because like I can't we can't sing, so I don't get to do that. Although we have been doing the singing on. Wednesdays when we're all virtual, but that's about to change for us. So yep. are you seeing all of your kids? I'm seeing all of them. Yes. I'm okay. one of the planning time teachers. Our school is so big that they kept the same system, but I think other places they will have where a planning time teacher, you know, might visit 15, 16 classes. I think uh, in some places they shrunk that. So a planning time teacher would teach more in a, in one cohort and to have fewer teachers but wait a I'm second what what is a what is a planning time teacher if you um, tell me that's the music teacher and no a planning time teacher so we have i don't know ever however many minutes a day but you get some prep time some release right. time to plan for, and during that time another teacher will come in and oh. separate subject area so get out of here. Music. I have never heard of that in my entire career. Most people uh, are more than happy to have somebody teach their music, but there's other planning time teachers that come to teach French as a second language. Um, Wait, are, are you and, saying that somebody teaches music for you during a planning time? No, sorry, during my I'm so planning slow. <laughs> time, I'm just prepping for music. Right. And, but I, my role to teach music to all the school kind of fulfills the planning time. Oh, okay. So that is what, what I was, see, I'm asking this because you're, you're naming it by name. The thing that at least for American teachers, we freak out and rightly so when people consider us planning time providers. Well, on paper, I, I, it is called planning time um, right. music. Um, but in reality, it's, it's, it's teaching music. I get it. I just was trying to figure out. Sorry, America. I'm a little slow on the uptake. Um, <laughs> so so you're seeing everybody, but how big are your classes right now? Ish. Uh, they have not changed much. Uh, kindergarten classes are anywhere from 26 to 30. What? Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. We'll get that off. Um, <laughs> and then primary classes are right around 20 and four, five, and six classes can be anywhere from 25 and up. But we lost about 15 to 18% of our school body to the virtual school, which right. we started in, in our school board, which has about 1,400 kids on it. And so the classes are slightly smaller, but not really significant. In fact, the rooms feel way smaller because we're back to the 1950s, you know, rows right. and columns. Right, right, right. Um, Interesting. Wow. All right. Well, that's 
do you have any sense of when things are going to, do they have any plans to change? This is on my mind because in our school, we are pivoting to a new thing. We have the model where cohort A comes in for two days and then cohort B comes in for two days and we're virtual on Wednesday. But now we're moving to a five day a week. Everybody comes in model. Um, as of right now, everything is still kept at five days a week. The, the virtual school, the online schools are, are still operating, but there's been about four times, I think, yeah, I think this was the last time where you can opt back into in-person right. learning every, every couple of months. And so I think we're, we'll probably be like this, uh, till the end of the year. And once we get those shots in our arms, yes. who knows? How's that rollout going for you guys? Um, it's, it's going, I mean, they're, they're doing long-term care homes in different parts of the country and different parts of the province. And to be honest, I prefer to just get up, have breakfast and brush my teeth. I'm trying to avoid, you know, checking the COVID score for the day. <laughs> right. And so I I'm putting my trust and faith in the wonderful healthcare system that I don't know how they operate anytime as, as a teacher, you know, we often get stressed and, and we might critique, you know, decisions, but I couldn't imagine what they'd have to go through. So yeah, sure. uh, I'm certain it will, uh, as the summer gets warmer and further along that uh, we'll get closer and closer to getting our shot and then focus on the new challenges that come. Yeah. I think it's great to have another teacher trainer on here because I know one thing that's on the minds of many, you know, famed members and fire oven minded teachers is how do I forward instruction this year? And, you know, I've been very plain about the fact that I don't want teachers to feel guilty if they're not doing that. If they are, that's fantastic. Um, how are you approaching first steps and conversational solfege in this new era? And do you feel like you have some true forward motion in your programs or are you more like i'm waiting till next year that's that's a terrific question and in fact when the first shutdown i don't even know what shutdown we're on anymore I know, when the first one happened that. last march i remember it was saint patty's day because we usually have a saint patty's day party and i had two weeks where i just sat outside you know putting syrup from one pan to the other. I made uh, almost seven gallons of maple syrup. So I had a lot of thinking time. Wait a second, was, you make maple syrup? I, I That was one of our my COVID uh, things. Hobbies? You know how we all have these COVID right. wonderful things I that we started. I think you're going to need to put some of up. that in the mail and send it on over to New Jersey. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I, it just started flowing last night. 28 caps <gasps> were put in, so it's starting again. Cool. Anyway, sorry, but, go ahead. But uh, yeah, so I had time to think about... Um, how I was going to approach first steps in conversational solfege. And again, I looked at it as an opportunity to try and find new ways to do something. The methodology is, is sound. The research right. there is sound and, and you can draw in so much wonderful content from all over the globe, from the unique backgrounds of all of our students. Yeah. And it was going to be mainly the delivery and how our children are going to participate in this methodology that I saw as, as, as the challenge. And when I found out that again, when we weren't allowed to sing, I thought, Oh, I yeah. thought, you know, your initial reaction. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. done. 
we're done. It's kind of like when you go through the drive-thru and they forget something, you're like, (laughs) ah, man. But do we go back? No, we don't for some reason. Um, But then I thought, so how am I going to approach this? And I still do my best to remain true to the methodology of first steps by at the very least, you know, keeping the vocal components and the movement components together, keeping the aspect of routine, keeping the, the, the hush wonder, the, the make believe the stuff that the children just eat up and we just do it in a different way. Sure. I mean, we can still use all sorts of wonderful literature and using technology to record ourselves. We can, we can still do all the echo songs and simple songs and, and new songs and, and stories and for the movement activities. Well, of course, we're just going to have to adapt, even though that we're not able to take hands or form a circle or, or form concentric circles or do any of those, we can still go around our desks in different directions. We can still have half of the class go around this section, half, and we can make it work. And for the younger students, guess what? They don't know any different. (laughs) Yes. You know, we do. That's a benefit. But early primary, kindergarten, grade one, even grade two. They will, if you can sell it, they're going to buy into it. So at the very least, as, as much as it was frustrating at the get-go, and it still is, yeah. uh, I won't lie, but keeping that, that, that sense of excitement and, and animation, it's contagious to the students. They want to take part. And for, for instance, today we were doing um, a simple song, uh, Riding in a Buggy Miss Mary Jane. Right. And I'd pre-recorded it. And all they were doing was going around their desks, pretending, you know, they were riding a bug and they go the other way. And it just looked like, you know, a bunch of mice chasing around each other right. in one of those little mazes. Yeah. But they loved it. And the, yeah. the week after and the week after, you know, they still say, Mr. Rankin, can we do that activity? Can we, <laughs> can we listen to that? I think for us trying to find something that brings us joy and, and excitement that we can bring into the class will help our students want the same thing. So they keep wanting it, even though we know we could do it a lot better if we could right. do it differently, but there's no sense. Uh, yeah. You know, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. <laughs> we, we can't change those things right now. Yeah. That's been, um, that's been helpful to me, even in my normal kind of cynicism. I just say to myself, I usually hate this phrase. It is what it is. But here during COVID, I have said this to myself, this is what it is. I, there's, and I'm not going to let other people make me feel bad. I'm not going to let your myself. Best, your best is what it is. Yeah. Doing your, yeah. No one has ever faulted anyone for doing their best. And we, <laughs> we, we share that with our students every day. You know, a child came up to me and she had a, a drop of blood the size of an atom on her finger. And she said, I need, I need a bandaid. I said, you'll be okay, but I can't do anything. I say, just do your best best that's right okay (laughs) and that's the and the same thing should apply to all educators administrators i mean let's just be patient with what we have as best we can and do the best and and we'll we'll get through i won't even say we'll get through this we'll keep moving forward because we don't know what's going to come in the next six months and we also have no choice so absolutely (laughs) we just have to keep going. You were talking about riding in a buggy. Today, I was doing Hop Old Squirrel. And I was laughing because I'm doing it like the recording is singing it. And I'm just having the kids, you know, move in different ways. And I was thinking, you know, when you do a a training course, 
And one of the biggest questions I get, and I'm sure everybody gets when you're talking about first steps in particular, is uh, talking about repetition, right? So we teach by the whole song approach. And that means that over at least a few lessons, the kids are not going to be singing. So mm. in that way, I've said to people, the kids aren't supposed to be singing anyway for a big part of what you do with first steps, right? Until it's planted in their audiation. So you know how you get the people who are like, like, I don't know what to do, like repeating this song so much, like it's so boring to, for the kids. I was laughing at my kids. I think they heard me sing Hop Old Squirrel, no, no joke, maybe like 42 times, <laughs> right? And I'm listening. I was watching them. They're so into it. Not a kid is singing. They are hopping around, jumping around, wiggling around. They have their little peeper puppet. So that's their <laughs> friend that they're And I was laughing thinking, I wish all these teachers that I teach could watch this because I wasn't doing anything special. I didn't change the way I sang it really much. I mean, other than whatever came naturally. Yep. But like I was thinking... These kids just love to do silly stuff, fun, silly yeah. stuff. Who so all they it? did was, we're I just, all, we're yeah. all kids. And so let's talk about, if you don't mind, riding in a buggy. So even if it's not glamorous, or maybe it was what you did, walk people through how you are teaching a song when kids can't sing. Sure. I'll premise it that we're going to play a game. And I'll always try and teach a story. And a lot of times I just make up a story. For example, the uh, peep squirrel. Mm -hmm. I talk about, you know, the squirrels, all five of them that made so many nests in my sheds this year and my <laughs> attic and my deck. And, and so there's always a context there. But, but with um, riding, riding in the buggy, we're just going to play a game. So everybody yeah. do what I do, you know down at market square in, in Kingston, um, there, there used to be a horse and buggy and the driver would always sit at the front and, and he or she, uh, sometimes would have to slow down. Sometimes would have to speed up and we'd play this game and then we the other way. And sometimes I'll say, you know, follow me or, and then I'll put the song on and they just don't realize it, but Hey, you know, they're starting to acquire a simple tune sure. and, but they see it as a game. And, Everybody loves to play games and, you know, like cut the cake or closet key, those games, even when they're in grade six or when yeah, they come they back, you know, to visit the grade sevens that, you know, that visit a lot because they're not yet ready to go to the, to the <laughs> new school. Can we, can we join in with closet key? So I try and do as much of it uh, as possible through games. Yes. And like you were saying about the repetition and the whole song approach. We're, we're developing their tunefulness, not their ability to sing. And that musical aptitude, the ability to you know, process tunes and rhythm is going to happen whether they're singing or not. The ability to use our vocal mechanism, that's a skill that can sure. be trained. I mean, is it easier when people are younger? Yeah, absolutely. But it's a skill that can be trained. But that ability to process tune and fill that library in their brains of all those different tunes, you know, major, minor, modal is going to happen whether they're singing or not. Right. So that when we come back, let's say in two or three years, and we use a peep squirrel in a conversational solfege unit, they're going to know it. They're, they're going to be able to right. decode it Oremi patterns. And, yeah, and they could just reach up and grab it expression. in their brain. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if, if they're not singing it, when we get to conversational solfege, at the very least, they're going to probably say, can we please play the game? Absolutely. And, they will. and they're going to love doing and participating in, in music. All right. So 
basically you just you've made a recording of it and that's what's playing in the class for the most part i use lots of uh jill trinka's recordings because she's the she's a better vocal model you know on the scale of one two three and four and mr rankin is number four (laughs) jill (laughs) is number two (laughs) because i want to get to number one right and i I actually on my uh my class i don't use class lists i just have my lesson plan and i'll I'll make notes at the bottom of each lesson and then I'll input those afterwards. So I remember them, but I all, for each class, I know who all my vocal models are. So I'll say to this person, you know, can you sing that for me? And peep squirrel, uh, he or she, or they will sound like this. I know that wasn't the right key. Um, But, uh, and there's my vocal models, you know, sing like that person. Yeah. And because they picked it up and just from playing the game. Yeah. That's nice that you can do that humming. I accidentally do a lot of humming, but we're not allowed to um, even do humming. But soon oh, okay. the thaw is coming and we were the district music teachers and I, the elementary teachers, were just talking about how we can't wait to be able to go outside <laughs> to yeah. do some actual singing. Do you have any other... Uh, ideas, practical things that, that you have found successful for first steps or conversational soul fashion, not even tips, but just things that you're doing that have translated well during COVID teaching. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. For conversational soul fashion in the, some of the upper level classes were, we're working ahead. We're doing lots of work with, with unit four, you know, the ability to echo and decode simple do re mi patterns and, and connect that with a variety of songs. And I, I try and draw in lots of contemporary or local folk songs as well to, to enhance the repertoire. So for echoing for that simple patterns is I use your son's recordings that you produced. Um, oh, you mean my son? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was like, like general, uh, generally it, speaking. What yes. a better vocal model for yes, grade Owen, five boys. Absolutely. And, and and some of my students, Colson, said, really? That's him singing? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, and they'll just hum, they'll hum it back. And we do that for several weeks, months, actually, and during transitions. And then I will use bells or chimes or xylophones to also lead it and that's, and I will hum it, but that's what they use for decoding. But obviously they can't sing back the rhythm syllables because we sing with our lips closed or sorry, the soulfish syllables, but I'll ask them, put your hand up, tell me what the soulfish syllables were. Wow. Or you could have them, you know, write it down, hold up a, a post-it note um, or, you know, just rearrange three things to hold it up. And that's another way that they could do it. Hand signs. I didn't even think about that. And then asking, you know, uh, or you could put a pattern up on the screen or sorry, you could, I try, I try to use as few visuals as possible because I want them to develop that aural phenomenon. That music is an aural, aural art. Even today I was using uh, simple, those, you know, those cheap dollar store bells, you know, mm-hmm. dollar store is known for quantity, not quality. <laughs> and, sure. uh, cause they always break. Um, <laughs> but children can very quickly figure out do re mi patterns by looking at the bells. Cause a, they're color coded. Do is always C. Why is that? So <laughs> what I will do is I'll have them close their eyes because that way I, I can, we can do all of that and just focus on their ears. So that that's been successful. Tons of 
uh, movement activities where we've just adapted folk dances for in their spot, or it's kind of like a kind of like, you know, country line dancing where you have rows and columns and they mm -hmm. kind of all move to the left, right, up and down. Well, if your grid pattern in your classroom is just like that, it's a very neat effect to see all the children going left, right, back and forth, up and down. And for example, uh, we adapted the Irish stew, uh, yes. one of the ones I learned from Phyllis Weichert. Mm -hmm. And we used a Canadian singer-songwriter, Natalie McMaster's David's Jig. And, okay. and the Rankin family jig as well. No connection to me. Oh, I was just like, Rankin what? Without an E, I'm a Rankin with an E. Right. Uh, not a long story. It just it is. Um, <laughs> and so what we'll do is we'll do the Irish stew just linear. And then okay. we'll turn and face the other direction, the wall. And then we'll face the window. And then we'll have <sighs> half the class face one way. And it's just changing up so you can get that repetition uh, and do something in in a different way. And all of that, I've just been honestly thinking, what else can I do? And I always try and have a growth mindset, whereas just try it. What's the worst that can happen? It's not going to work. Right. As opposed to uh, it is what it is and not do it. Right. I always want to just try something. And if it doesn't work, well, you know, I'll make a note of that and I'll, I'll try it differently next time. This is, it's so interesting to me. I guess I don't have a growth mindset. My thing is more like, meh, I can't do those. So just throw them out. <laughs> until next year but i love the that's idea like pickles yeah no way just throw them out <laughs> okay that's it get off my show right now <laughs> no but i love i mean i never would have thought of like just face that way and do it and just face that way but i find this covid time is forcing even a person like me to have to think outside of the box i saw um i'm gonna do this before the end of the year but i saw this really cool stop motion um lego video of like alabama gal and i'm like oh i want to do that you know i want i i have been using lego minifigures that i have uh, borrowed from my children um <laughs> equals stolen because by the way i bought them um so we've been using those for like lots of counting out games and um other games but i love that i saw i saw that stop motion i thought that would be cool to like help them process like they're still listening to the music and mm -hmm. the kids were actually moving the lego pieces to do the moves of the dance and then another one that i saw i think it was amy abbott i'm not sure where they had pool noodles and they were doing the dance instead of holding hands they're holding pool noodles oh, wonderful which i'm like wonderful. that's genius because <laughs> the kids were six feet apart yep um and you know my kids would celebrate because they don't have to hold hands <laughs> that would be absolutely like, you know, they would be like absolutely thank would. you covid thank you <laughs> but i love that idea do you have any more and if you don't that's okay modified movement or dance things that come up in your mind that you've done and if you don't again because um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, let's take an example of, um, um, circle around the zero, mm -hmm. you know, usually you'd go and get different partners. Right. Uh, well, your partner is your desk. Give your desk a name, get to know your desk, you know, treat your desk very nicely, <laughs> bring lunch to your desk. And, and what they do is they just go around, they turn their back, you know, and then they tap their love in zero. They tap their hands on the desk or they right. tap their hands in the air. We were doing oh, Sasha funny. today with a grade three class and 
at first, you know, they were just modeling and it's so, so hard for me, you know, to do the reverse out front. Yes. Yes. Um, so I always prefer to choose a volunteer to come up to the front and we have these blue, you know, six feet apart, social distancing circles. Oh. They're everywhere in the hallway. Oh, I don't They're know blue those in the fall, but most of them are brown from the, all the mud. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, they were there and we just modeled from six feet apart, how to do it. And then how do you get a partner? Well, you can turn left, you can turn right. But when, you know, students put their hand up, I don't have a partner. And they, for some reason, they don't like the ghost partners because they still realize they don't have a, an actual right. partner is they now have partners across the room. You just right. make laser eye contact and you do Sasha with that person across the room. And it's just another way to adapt it. And mm -hmm. since they've never done this folk dance before, they don't know any different. Know. So th that's been a, a key thing is, you, you know, looking back at what I did with my classes pre shutdown with, with what grades. And I know some students there's transient population. So I do the best I can, but I try and choose repertoire and activities that they haven't done before. So I'm just going to modify it. And when you in introduce it to them, it's all brand new. Mm. Absolutely. Let's talk about Mr. Rankin's music cabin. Let's assume that nobody knows what it is. I do know what it is. It's very exciting. Can you tell us what it is, how you came to make it, and how teachers can use it in their programs, in their rooms? It's really, really exciting. And we're going to, of course, on the episode page, share how you can see these and tell us all about it. Well, Mr. Rankin's Music Cabin, it's been almost a year in the making, but in short, it's, a, it's an eight-part series that embodies the, the engagement, the make-believe, the joy of musicking and music-making that is part of the first steps in music and conversational solfege curricula. And it's done in a way that can be used virtually. It can be used in class while you're teaching but it's, it's designed to evoke a response from the viewer. It's not just a, a sedative screen time where you're consuming right. media or learning about something. It's all focused primarily on the doing of music. That's awesome. And, and it came about while I was sitting, this probably the third day of boiling maple syrup. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? I thought lots, uh, you know, I thought what was great what are some of the, the resources that uh, are part of First Steps in Music and Conversational Solfege? And instantly, Lomax and Hound of Music came right. to my mind. How, how joyful, how engaging, how warm, and, and how after 30 repetitions or 3,000 repetitions, the children still, still love it. So I thought, well, why don't I try and do something like that? So with my little camera and a small green screen, and moving around some stuff in the basement, I thought, all right, let's just try and I, I wrote down a list, you know, of all my six grades of all the lesson plans I've done. And I picked out the ones that were the biggest hits. I picked up the ones that children always requested, always loved. And I started trying to emulate a little bit of Lomax meets Mr. Rogers meets, I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> because this was all learning curve to me. Right. I mean, originally I just made these small individual components. It might've been an echo song. It might've been a move it. It might've been a song tale. And then I thought, well, why don't I do all eight parts of the first steps curriculum and, and tie in 
lots of the doing music for, for upper grades, as well as conversational solfege. And then I started piecing all these things together. And then, you know, two weeks after maple syrup season was done, uh, I, I started putting them together and I thought, all right, I'm going to use these for my online teaching. And then I started getting feedback from, from parents and administrators and from students and how much they enjoyed them and from their teachers, how they were very much engaged. So I thought, all right, let's make it a little bigger. So I, I dove head first into video editing, audio editing. I'm, I'm still working out. Uh, <laughs> but then I just started, I went for about six weeks straight, uh, making as many recordings from pitch explorations through move it's through folk dances, all the steps one, pretty much steps one through eight of conversational solfege. And I tried to do it in a way that children from kindergarten to grade six or beyond would love to take part mm. or older or even older, older students. And then I started sharing it while well, people started sharing it. And from there, after uh, doing some coursework and sharing it more, then GIA approached me and said, have you ever thought about sharing this even more? And I thought, okay, who set you up for this? Joke? <laughs> you know, as, as teachers, we're all our own um, worst critic. You know, sure. I always think oh, I could do this better. And, and but the, the feedback was great. And so now we have eight episodes that embody the first steps in music and it slowly progresses to conversational solfege, but it's done in such a way where the, the viewer or the group feels like they're part of it. So they're always in, encouraged to echo back independently, right. to sing independently and to create their own movements. And there's, there's Arioso land. So there's, you're not just sitting there and copying. It's not like a, you know, a just dance, which is great for daily physical activity sure. or, or team building where you just copy. And then when it's off, your body doesn't remember. This is designed to still help develop and enhance their musical aptitude, develop their tunefulness, beatfulness, and artfulness. And hopefully that when we get back into class, you know, mask free, people can still use this as well. Okay. So I, I use it um, even in my class, you know, oh, there's Mr. Rankin. <laughs> Listen to this, <laughs> Mr. Rankin, but echo right. after that one. And sometimes you know, if I'm not getting the tuneful response I'm hoping for, or, or if I don't have a vocal model. So Mr. Rankin on the screen will echo. And then this Mr. Rankin will go. And it really helps a, it saves your voice. Yes. So now they're available and from GIA, uh, from GIA publication. Yeah. They can be used as you know, as, as a supply plans, if you're not there, that they're substitute great plans, substitute <laughs> supply, occasional teacher. Right. I do not have the full lexicon to describe, <laughs> but yes, if you're See, away, I'm just, I'm just bridging the gap between our cultures. <laughs> I, I am glad we need to do more of that. So you could give this to a sub. Absolutely. And I, I do just want to say for people listening who don't know, Lomax, The Hound of Music, was a fantastic series on PBS that Dr. Feyerabend was involved with, you know, helped create based on his pedagogy with some a few things here and there that were <laughs> created by the producers. That's also available through GIA, yes, streaming yes. now. Lots of teachers use Lomax and love it. And 
I think what's so great is one of, uh, let's put this in the top 10 things people say when you're teaching a course is how come there aren't more low max sound of music episodes? Because people and kids love them so much. That's one reason I was very excited to hear that you have done this with GIA. But just help me understand, if I look at episode one, are you saying that from episode one to, to episode eight, they get a little bit more difficult? They do. That... Um, okay. For the most part. How long is an episode? About? 25 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And no advertisements. Hey. <laughs> or pop-ups. Um, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, they start the first four episodes, first four or five. Well, all of them has have aspects of first steps in music. There's all tuneful, beatful, and artful activities. Sure. Um, but the, the higher up you go, some of them are more complex. So some of the right. folk dances are, are again, they're, I already adapted them so that you can do them on your own, but they're slightly more complex. And then in episodes six, seven, and eight, uh, you'll get to um, some solfege, some music literacy is embedded throughout that as well. And some of the singing games are more complex. I, I threw in um, Black Snake, Closet mm -hmm. Key. And so those games are for uh, slightly older grades. But there, there is an aspect, though, in there, I think, that any age group could take something away from each episode. You know, kind of like the Star Wars series. What number are we on, by the way? I don't know, like 52. I don't know. Uh, a lot. <laughs> but in every Star Wars episode, you know, there's always something for someone that's never seen it before. Oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. I tried to do something like that. So you could use part of episode seven or eight with, you know, a grade one or two class. You, you wouldn't be using the music literacy section. So you just, you know, fast forward. Fast, that's what fast forward's for. That's right. And do you have scrub? scrub <laughs> that's the AV nerd term for <laughs> going back. Do you have the intention to do more, or are you just kind of like, I don't know, or are you like me with my fourth kid? The train has come to a complete stop. I always keep an open mind. I don't know where this this path is. You know, I remember several years ago with Lily Fireop and talking about how take that open door when that door opens go through it because you'd never you'd, you never know what door it's going to open right. you never know what 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 path it's going to take you on and i'm really excited about the the future of if if people like this i i'm so happy if it can help them out help make things easier right now i'm so <laughs> happy and a year from I did not expect a year yes. from last <laughs> to be where we are having right. a podcast talking about this. <laughs> um, so I have no idea what's going to happen in, in, in 2022. So yeah. it's well, uh, translation. He's open to doing more. So people <laughs> get out there, go to giamusic.com and look it up. Mr. Is it just under Mr. Rankin's music? Mr. Rankin's music cabin music cabin. Uh, could pop up there yes um get those episodes and then start writing to gia and saying i'd like to see more of these or just write to me i'll tell them <laughs> <laughs> i have a hotline there i hope you will make more and i know one thing for sure teachers are scrambling for help and if you can get help that's not only, you know, going to reduce the stress on practitioners, but be, you know, 
good musical food for the kids and fun and magical and let's let's do more of that so people can get it by the episode is that right they can absolutely by the episode you don't have to buy like a whole season nope and it's not on vhs (laughs) can i get it on laser disc uh possibly (laughs) but you might have to decide halfway through Uh, we're gonna put all your information up on the episode page for people to go to do you have anything on the horizon that you know of right now we're still in early stages of um for teaching your trainer stuff are you doing any courses or what are you thinking about doing because um, i want i want to encourage people to go take training with absolutely. you absolutely i'm trying to organize a, a webinar or a short webinar series in the spring on how to adapt Yes. To, uh, first steps are conversational solfege. I mean, I can't go into as much detail, but just some of those little t- tips and yeah. tricks that I use today, how it can make your life easier <laughs> yes. and help make our children musical. Yeah. Uh, there's no point reinventing the wheel, but also when you're swiping your thumb on Facebook and you're on mm-hmm. 200 swipes, right. you can information overload. So yes. I want to try and give some things that I've tested and, and hopefully they will work for you and um, so you don't have to just keep swiping because we spend so much of our time consuming information and we end up finding nothing. Right. I would, I'd like to try and share that. Uh, I, I am trying to organize a, a first steps or conversational soulfish course for some time in the summer. I don't Excellent. know exactly that would be, that would be an online one. Right. I'll, I'll be, uh, presenting at the fame conference, uh, Which virtually. Is- uh, this July. summer, how to incorporate green screen technology into conversational solfege. And I'm going to try and make it as engaging as possible, even though well, that's it will fantastic. Vote. My original plan was when I was going to drive to Chicago, I was going to have my 2004 beautiful gold Saturn packed full of green screen <laughs> and turn the whole conference room into a green screen studio, including the floor and everybody would be not just learning about it, but just like uh, the fire oven philosophy, they would be doing Doing it. it. Mm -hmm. And so everyone would leave with their own green screen created move it or activity. But so I'm going to, I'm still figuring out how I'm going to do that. And then who knows what the fall is going to bring. I mean, technology zoom, which is now, should be in Webster's dictionary right. <laughs> or Oxford English. I don't know, whatever right. dictionary.com, <laughs> but uh, has enabled so much sharing it. Just think of all the possibilities and collaborations that we've been able to do. I know we all have zoom meetings that we prefer mm-hmm. not to be there, but for the most part, we've been able to do a podcast like this or getting together and having virtual conferences where used to before, you know, you'd sign up for three or four sessions and that's all you have time for. Well, now with virtual conferences, you can do all of them and you can take away as much or as little as you want, but at least you have that opportunity. So I'm always trying to find new ways to share things and new ways to adapt the content uh, in first steps in conversational solfege, but keeping true to the methodology because we all know it helps her grow a wonderful society of, of musical people and uh, it's contagious for all ages. Excellent. Well, David Rankin, 
thank you for being here on the podcast and talking to me. You're very welcome, Missy. It's been just a treat. And I look forward to listening to all of your future podcasts because you are such a, such a annoying. No, not at all. (laughs) Uh, Engaging, but you, you help bring people together and through on so many different topics and podcasts are something that we all look forward to because you never know when you're going to listen to it. You know, it's not scheduled. Do it at your leisure what you're going to take away from it. You can always go back to it, but also just like music, it's all through our ears. You know, we're listening to it and there's something to be said for that. Well, I'm glad you took part in one of these and I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Hopefully in person. (laughs) I was just going to say, can you even imagine? I was thinking today, I don't even remember how it was, what it was like to interview people. Like, like face to face. I know. It, I'm not going to know what to do. What I, I'm just going to be like, um, how, how do the humans interact? I'm just used to the screen. Yes. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. You too. And have a wonderful evening and a great rest of your year. Well, same to you. While I was talking to David, I found myself thinking of all these great but simple ideas to get more tunefulness going, even though we can't sing. I hope you were encouraged to think of how you can do this for your own students. If you think of some great ideas or you've done some great things in your classroom, share them with me at musicedwithmissy at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook at musicedwithmissy or on Twitter at docstrong26. I would love to hear from you. And please do not forget to check out giamusic.com and our episode page for links to Mr. Rankin's Music Cabin. The music for the podcast was composed and performed by Jeremy and Owen Strong. I hope your time here was well spent and that you feel excited about what you might do in your classroom and you were motivated, encouraged, and challenged. I hope to meet you back here next time. And until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, thoughtful, just world for students, their families, and your community. Mm-hmm.